Recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin, this is the Crimson Cowl Comic Club Podcast. Welcome to Issue 2, dear listeners and readers. I'm Anthony. I'm David. I'm Kurt Stad. And we are joined <laughs> by a special guest here at the table. I'm Jim Garvey. In the top, we're going to talk about spoilers on the following books. The Batman Who Laughs, number one, Justice League, number 33, and X-Men Blue, number 15. So kicking it off right away with The Batman Who Laughs, number one, by James Tinian IV and Riley Rossmo. As the events of Dark Knight's Metal rock the DC Universe, the creatures of the Dark Multiverse stand ready to invade our world. How can the world's greatest heroes stop a horde of deadly beings? Find out in these special tie-in issues. Found out that this synopsis is the same one that happens <laughs> for every, every single one. Yeah, every single one. <laughs> this sure sounds familiar. So, like the other ones, we are going to turn to Kurt's dad as he has read that issue. Yes. Uh, really anyone well. else have read that issue at the table? I have. You have too. So we have two uh, readers here. and So between the both of you, feel free to chime in and let us know. So this is the last of our views of the Nightmare Batman from the Darkverse um, this one was interesting in that not all the other ones were kind of set up as third person tells, but this one starts out with the Batman who laughs, actually being the one who guides us into the story. Um, and so we go to the universe where he came from and we find out we are introduced to Batman and the Joker slugging it out for the last time in this verse because the Joker is dying, um... Chemicals that made him the Joker starting to wear off. And he's pushing Batman to the edge in the very last confrontation. Trying to get him, in the end, to kill him. <laughs> Which, in a way, Batman's forced to do because the Joker refuses to stop. But in the process, he also infects Batman with chemicals that now make him Joker-like as well. Mm. His philosophy is that the two have to be united. The world's not complete without the Joker and Batman. So now they become one, as the Batman who laughs. Who then, um, first of all, turns all of his Batman family into all those little Robins we (laughs) see throughout. First he converts all of them, then he goes after Superman and his family, um, with black kryptonite and um, takes them out. And then from then on, he just goes from person to person, wiping out all the opposition in his universe. Till Barbados comes to him and says, Hey, there's still a Batman out there for you to... <laughs> and so he's quick to throw in and go after our universe. So that's a pretty quick synopsis of the, okay. the storyline. Pretty enjoyable. How about uh, Jim over here? Those Robins, I think, I, I've been thinking of them instead of Robins as crows. <laughs> the crows, yes. Yeah. Crow, crow, crow. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so now you think of them more as, as Robins rather than just these little kind of weird, almost zombie-like little kids that walk around saying crow? Yep. Probably the most emotional part of it is that at one point, Batman is starting to change and he knows what's coming. And he tells everyone in the, his group, 
go away, you know. <laughs> you can't stop this, but none of them do. And so they end up. <laughs> and this was uh, the last of the one-off right. issues. Compared to all the other ones, uh, do either of you have a, a favorite amongst them that you remember? That you, Just overall, story-wise, whether it be this one or previous one that you really enjoyed the most? So we had, what, the Flash one, we had this one. Right. Uh, Devastator. Dawn, Dawnbreaker. Dawnbreaker. Um, Dawnbreaker or The Drowned were my favorites. Okay. I probably like this one among the best. There was more of a element of getting a story directly from the, the mm. dark's mouth directly. Um, and probably also um, the uh, Wonder Woman combination one. Um, oh, the one where he was, was kind of, kind of, the, yeah, the merciless, because you get the sense that the merciless is not one who's going to be controlled like the other ones, <laughs> um, and there was something kind of diabolical behind the merciless. So, how about the importance of this this issue um, compared to some of the others? Uh, we've we've talked in uh, earlier club meetings about how. Um, these tie-ins have actually been more important to the story than some, you know, some tie well, tie-ins and just these kind of other individualized books, and some of them have been more important uh, to the story. Uh, a lot of that's from the tie-ins themselves and other, other uh, ongoing books, but how did this one uh, compare in that way as far as the importance into the, the, the overall metal story? Because going into it, you know, when they announced all these, we didn't really know much about them. And, you know, nobody knew, well, especially with that description, they didn't really give that much. And we didn't know the importance of them. Mm -hmm. But now that we read them, at least we're kind of seeing that they are pretty essential to a certain level. Yeah, they, I think they established the motivation of all these dark creatures and what they're about when they come into our world. Because all of them have a little bit different agenda. And I think without this, all you would get were these nightmare creatures fighting against the Justice League, trying to take over the world. That's all you'd have sans these stories, which tell us what are, what are the hopes of, that each of these, um, these dark Batmen are really about. Because each has a different agenda. It'll be, I think the one thing they might be missing is to have something about Barbados or that's, Barbados mode. We don't get much. Right. I think mean, that's what the next the two metal titles have to be about. Yeah, I, that's what I've been waiting for. And I was like, that and um, the return of Hawkman is going to be an important part of the metal series. Yeah. Well, I, I guess the other question that I would have is for the Batman who laughs, now, throughout the metal books, you know, he, he's been the most of these dark Batman you know, mm -hmm. he, he seems to be, like, the number one guy. Mm -hmm. um, so is is that explained, like, in this book? Uh, do, you, do you find out how he came to that, or is that justified, or is that just still sort of a mystery as, you know, how he got to be that position versus any of these other uh, dark versions of Batman? Because well, that's one thing that I wondered is why why does he have kind of this position that he seems to have in these books 
it seems like Barbados sought him out and told him to go and find the others. That right. they, they all they all rose independently, but this Joker Batman version was given the mission by Barbados or Barbados yeah. to to, all to assemble everybody together. Yeah. Plus, I think this particular um, this particular incarnation of dark incarnation of Batman is the one who maintains the most Batman's um, ability to plan and ability to organize. The other ones are more random in their approach. Though, the very end of this particular one, um, the Batman who laughs is kind of mulling over things and he's, he's thinking, you know, used to be that I thought you always had to have a plan. You always had to be one step ahead of the people you're fighting. But now I've found the most important characteristic is adaptability <laughs> and the ability to laugh. And so that's, um, that, but still, overall, as you look at the character, he becomes, he's the one who is still the most um, organized of these dark um, creatures. Uh, you know, Devastator just wants to beat everything down, and uh, the Merciless just wants to kind of be the sole ruler of the universe, and um, flashes the um, death racer is just trying to run around and absorb as much of the speed force and energy as he can. There's kind of a single-minded randomness to each of the others, but this, you know, Batman Glass has some organization about it. Well, that's <laughs> well, flip of Batman and Joker. You know, yeah. they're the same methods, just you know, opposite goals. <laughs> So I think they're important. These these books have been overall important to the to the. Over, I think I would find metal without these totally <laughs> unintelligible in some ways. It would be kind so of, highly recommended, essential to the yeah. the main event series. If you're gonna only read one of these, read this one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, good. All right. We'll move on to Justice League number 33 by Brian Hitch and Tyler Kirkham. Bats out of hell finale. It's the Justice League versus the Dark Knights. Fight! The Dark Knights have taken a fallen Justice League to the frightening castle of Redacted inside the possessed Gotham City, where they will be prepared as a sacrifice. The Justice League's only hope is Cyborg, whose return from the Dark Multiverse has changed him forever. And for those that have read it here, anyone? You got Kirk's dead? <laughs> I've read part of it. I haven't finished it yet. Okay. Oh, I don't know if I want to spoil it for you. <laughs> How far did you get? What's the... Uh, about halfway. Okay, so you've got that. Really, all the Justice League members lose in their individual fights. Right. And are now being taken away to be hooked up to the machine that they seem to be essentially hooking everyone up to, to um, open up the multiverse to the dark universe but in the meantime we're also getting the back you know some back stuff on cyborg who they're trying to get this x metal out of him that's what the goal is with cyborg is to try to get this x metal which is i guess necessary for the process and what they need him to do um to gain for them to gain control of it is that Cyborg has to give in to his mother box and allow himself essentially to be destroyed and the mother box to take over as Cyborg. Though they tell him it's all, well, if you want to win, if you want to, you know, 
be able to accomplish victory over all this, then you've got to give in to this. And that's the voice that they're using to try to get him to, um, to allow his own self to be basically destroyed in the box to take over. But there's another voice that's saying, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to give in to, um, to this. You can, what makes you who you are is your heart and you have to hang on to who you are. Um, and, uh, so finally, close your ears. <laughs> <laughs> um, he he allows the mother box to take over, but still maintains control. So now he is kind of souped up to another level at this point. Um, and he breaks in and saves all of the Justice League people. He, along with uh, Doctor Fate and um, Mister Terrific, and uh, I think Deathstroke is with him. They kind of pop in, they rescue everybody, and pop back out. And he goes to rescue the one who he's targeted in, who was the voice he was listening to, is Raven, who's also been in prison. <laughs> and she was the one who said, I knew you could do this. I was, you know, I was just encouraging you. And um, so now they're free to essentially start a counter-offensive at that particular point, now that he's Broken all of the team out, they're ready to go. <laughs> they at first try to fight their way out when he shows up, but it's uh, it's not working. You know, they're managing to hold their own, but not really win. So then they just all pop out using uh, the mother box. Um, and Barbados is not happy. <laughs> There's a little setup where um, he's kind of um, saying to the Batman who laughs. I thought you had this all planned out. Now we have this. and uh, But in the end, he says, well, but all roads lead to darkness. That's fine. <laughs> all right. Any other further discussion on that? Or we, uh... No, I don't, I don't know. I guess uh, it, it's, it's good that at this point, you know, the you got like the Justice League members, different heroes that are once again free to resume uh fighting because it, it, you know at this point or up until now you, you get the sense of complete hopelessness um, you know each of them are being beaten badly and uh, so at, at, at some time you know, you got to figure okay the, the tide's gonna turn a little bit they're gonna they're gonna start uh, having some means to victory and we still got a little ways to go before you know this this whole storyline finishes off, um, but you know this could be somewhat of a turning point, maybe. Yeah, though the last frames are they show the Justice League break up and go after the Nth Metal again, which was their initial sort of thing they were doing. But the last frames you have the choke or the Batman who last says, even on this world, the Justice League needs a Batman, and. Uh, to help them find hope in the darkness, to know they can win. I'm glad I could be that Batman for them today. They finally, they really believe they have a chance. And now the Justice League, let's see. And now the Justice League are unknowingly spreading your darkness across the galaxy. Shouldn't they know by now? All roads lead to darkness. <laughs> and you can kind of see an overall theme in, uh, in, in DC. 
anyways, you know, as they started doing the uh, the Rebirth comics, um, and and even in their uh, their cinematic universe, there's been a lot of talk about uh, not making things quite so dark, bringing a little bit of that hope back and everything. And there's really a theme here. It, it's being talked about a lot in the upcoming um, Doomsday Clock story about the darkness versus hope and. Um, and you see it a lot in the metal story. There's, there's really that theme. It's hope versus hopelessness and darkness. Um, but there's an awful lot of dark. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there is. In fact, they had to bring extra dark into it just to have more dark. <laughs> I read this last night after I saw the Justice League movie. And um, one, as far as I got, um, this is the most focused on Cyborg of any Justice League book that I recall um, oh. in the last what, five, seven years since he'd been yep. a member. And also, I saw a lot of parallels, if you haven't seen the movie, but a lot of parallels between the Cyborg here and the Cyborg in the movie. Oh, yeah. What happens to him there? So I thought yeah. that was interesting. Well, I'm hoping to go to see it tomorrow. So. <laughs> I saw it as well. very much enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, it's, a, it's fun. All right, moving on to X-Men Blue, number 15, by Colin Bunn and Jorge Molina. In Mojo World, Jean Grey and her X-Men teammates take the fight to Mojo, but Mojo's there with a hometown advantage, so this fight is far from over. Can the X-Men prevail and stop the absolutely absurd Mojo-ification of Midtown Manhattan? <laughs> A lot of a lot a of mojo going on. You made it through there. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Mojoification. <laughs> okay. So, uh, curious who all uh, read I this read one. that. Okay. So, <laughs> so Kurt's dad, Anthony. All right. And um, so this this finishes off the Mojo Worldwide story, uh, which sees Mojo kind of attacking Earth, and um, I, I guess overall. Um, I, I've never been that huge of a fan of, of Mojo as a villain and whatever, so um, so I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about this going into it. Um, I'm still not that big of a fan of Mojo as a as a villain, um, although by the end of this it's hinted that it's not going to be too long before we see more of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and the first thing that I was going to ask even before getting into it is to Kurt's dad, as we've talked about this past uh club meetings um you weren't really getting into the story now that we're at the end of it that ever changed for you or you still not particularly i mean it wasn't a bad story overall i mean but it's mojo and there's every appearance of mojo and x-men has been essentially the same story it's not there's nothing there's nothing really new, as far as I could tell, anyway. And other people may have different opinions. But my opinion was, this is just another Mojo story. It's nothing new. <laughs> right. And to, and to me, it was just an excuse to uh, to, to manage an X-Men crossover, you know, between two groups of, of X-Men, as, as they've got, you know, now going on four teams. Um, so it was a way to get the, the two teams to together and to further an ongoing storyline because you, you come up with uh, the, the X-Men blue team has been working with Magneto secretly and, and that comes out so that, that comes out um, it, it actually comes out probably in part 
five, I want to say, of it yeah. at, at first, and then comes out even further in, in part six because eventually Magneto and uh, Polaris and Danger, um, who are working together through this, uh, you know, make an appearance and they actually, you know, it, it gets revealed to the world that Magneto, who was thought dead once again, is in fact alive. Um, so really more than anything, this, this storyline, um, it wasn't anything spectacular. Uh, it just was a way of, of furthering along some of the, the ongoing stuff between the two books and combining things. And I don't know if these teams, it, it sounds like there's going to be some shakeups coming up in these teams. And I don't know, um, how much of a difference we'll see in membership. Um, but this might have been the start of, of leading up to them by putting all of these characters together um, and then separating them into different groups where you've got teams that are made up of the different team members. Um, but then how it ends, it you know, what before we even get to the ending, we'll say, and we've discussed this before, the difference in long shots personality. Yeah, it's... Um, it's it's a lot different than uh, than what we remember, and I haven't yeah. read a lot of current stuff that have long shot used in it. Um, there so hasn't been made, particularly you know, a lot, I don't think. No, he was he was used in uh, one of the versions of X Factor when uh, Multiple Man was yeah. was leading that group, and um, I just noticed he's in Cable. I I haven't read any of the ones with Cable, but he's so I don't know how he's been used there and and everything. You know, you would expect that his personality would have changed somewhat because, I mean, if you look back to, like, um, X-Men uh, early 90s, say, uh, Longshot, he was a little bit more, I almost want to say childlike in some yeah. ways with his personality. And happy-go-lucky yeah, and right. kind of, yeah, that was all part of Longshot. And what we see of Longshot in this storyline is you can almost picture him at some point, going too far and turning into the next mojo. Yeah. He's got... Um, his own show, his own pirate show out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one difference between <laughs> this and, and, and old mojo stories is that um, you, you get kind of the comparisons, not just to the TV thing. That mm -hmm. Mojo's always been like he's got the, his own network and, and everything. But uh, but now you got Longshot, who's... Uh, it's kind of like the internet versus cable um kind, kind of thing where uh long shot is basically hijacking the signal and <laughs> and he's got his own followers and, and everything else so by the end of the story mojo's defeated um and all the people in mojo's world are now free and his long shot says they're free but they don't know what to do with that so his plan is to go back <laughs> and Channel it. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, uh, effectively, you know, and how he does it, you know, I don't know, but it, it effectively effectively, really makes him the next Mojo. Mm -hmm. um, but, of course, then we see that Mojo himself is stranded on Earth and has some sort of plan in place that they've been working on, you know, uh, on the sidelines. So, I don't know how soon we'll see Mojo again, but it, it hints that it won't long yeah. now in, in comic book terms it could be a couple of years you know or it could be a couple issues yeah. um but you know they're they're talking that it's ready to they're ready to start the new um 
part of this plan now. Well, and, and to me, one of the things that disappointed me most in it was that Longshot is actually one of, was one of my favorite characters back in the 90s. Um, and in this one, and then I was glancing at the Cable comic he was in, and there he seems kind of almost depressed. And, you know, it's like they don't know what to do with Longshot. After Longshot got his memory back, Mm-hmm. Nobody was quite sure. Okay, now what do we, what do we do with Longshot? <laughs> um, and I wish they could have recaptured some of the earlier kind of feel for Longshot rather than and, and take that, it in this direction. And that might actually be the problem: is maybe they want to use the character because he's had somewhat of a following over the years. Um, but maybe that's just the thing: is nobody is quite sure what to do. They want to use him, but they're not sure how to use him. I mean, the real center for Longshot for me was, and they've downplayed this now in in some of the later stuff with Longshot, is his power only worked when his motives were pure. And they've kind of dropped that concept now to a certain extent, that his, his luck is based on the purity of his motives. And um, that's what made that character interesting was, you know, <laughs> yeah, because now you've got a long shot that you're not sure just what his motives are. are. He, he almost seems like he's in a moral gray area. Yeah. It, it's how it kind of comes across. Yeah, not only serving as a crossover between both the blue and gold books, but also as kind of like a highlight reel of all the, the decades old, yeah. of X-Men, like them being dipped in and out of you know scenarios and costumes and villains and... You know, and it was, it was kind of fun as you turned the page and you kind of had those... Uh... Yeah, I think for long-time readers it was, but for a, a newer reader, there wasn't enough there for them to even get a feel for yeah. what each scenario was about. Right. And it so, Some been... of it's briefly mentioned, and mentioned by story name. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, if you weren't familiar with what those stories were, you, you, know, you didn't get it. It's kind of like watching a movie and, you know, it might be full of Easter eggs, but if you don't know what those are referencing, you know, you, you right. never know that they were. If you don't bring your basket, you can't put those eggs anywhere, right? So, yeah, that was that. And, yeah, and like you said, too, you know, the possibility of a shakeup between the teams. So uh, a little more intrigued to see, you know, especially with the, the Magneto news being out there. I'm curious to see kind of the direction some of those go and. I'm interested. One thing I remember from not too long ago now, I thought Marvel was going to kind of back off the whole mutant thing because from a a movie perspective, they don't own the rights to X-Men. So they were trying to put Inhumans (laughs) in place of mutants as the primary sort of focus. And now we're back up to right now we have what? five X-Men books. We're about to have six X-Men books, so I guess we're back to mutant mania. <laughs> well, see, Marvel denied that they were doing that, but people in general seem to think, you know, and, and it really did kind of feel like that's what they were doing, is that they were trying to really subdue the importance of mutants as a whole in the Marvel Universe, um, kind of downsizing and, and everything else. So, People thought, well, they don't want to support the uh, the movies, so they're making them less important. You know, the same thing that they did with the Fantastic Four. They didn't want to support uh, Fox 
doing Fantastic Four movies, so they they just completely dropped them and got got rid of two of the <laughs> the four completely. Uh, so a lot of people thought, and you know, I I, I think these thoughts were were justified. Uh, it might not have been true, but certainly they were justified. The thoughts that Marvel was now doing that same type of thing to uh, to the X Men and to to mutants. But obviously, now we're having a bit of a resurgence, um, not not just in X-Men having more books, but in kind of the way that they're being portrayed. They're getting back to a little bit more like how they used to be prior to Cyclops taking all of the mutants and putting them in their own nation, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> things like that. It, you know, it's, it's the old, for long-time X-Men readers, it's, uh, it's the more familiar uh, version of them. And yeah, it, it seems like with with a new book right around the corner, uh, and with uh, already being stated that uh, at least Blue, that there's going to be some big shakeup with the team, um, having them cross over and getting all these characters together might might just be a way to get uh, newer readers who aren't necessarily familiar if they're not reading uh, Gold and Blue to get them familiar with some of these characters in preparation for. Changing things changing around a little bit. Right. That seems interesting since House of M, there's only supposed to be how many mutants left? Between six books, you probably have every mutant in the world on one of these. It feels like it, but um, you know, I, I, I think there, there are still some uh, X Men and mutants in general that are unaccounted for. I haven't been reading Blue regularly, uh, I've, I've read it for this crossover. So I don't know how many mutants there are. I know uh, uh, like Havoc and uh, Emma Frost have popped up in, in blue. Um, well, and Gold has a bunch of young ones who are being trained by essentially the Gold team. So yeah, you have all those young They're, they're not part of the team and they don't have essential roles, but they're, they're mentioned and you see that yeah. they're there. They're at the school. And a lot of those characters carried over from the Extraordinary X-Men series that went like... 18, 20 issues or so that was last year. And so they took those, you know, quote-unquote new mutants, if you will, and, you know, put them into the gold book as far as keeping them with the school and everything. Actually, I think there's even more than six books because you've got Generation X, you've got... Iceman. Gold and Blue. You've got Weapon X. Astonishing. You've got Iceman, Jean Grey, Astonishing X-Men. <laughs> and then if you want to go to the all-new Wolverine and yeah, the old man Cable, Logan... Cable. Yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah, getting ready to do red. Uh, if anyone complained about the lack of X Men the past couple years, they better not be complaining now. They better not. The platter is full. So. <laughs> well, you know, maybe a little too full. <laughs> co- comic fandom, you know, when they can no longer complain about that, they will just replace it with some other component. <laughs> and that will conclude the spoiler section of this podcast. And now on to the non-spoiler section of the podcast. Uh, one of my favorite issues that came out this past week from Marvel is Not Brand Eck number 14, which is uh, like a three or four decade wait since the end of uh, issue 13. Uh, the series that came out in the 60s is very satirical and kind of Marvel making fun of their own characters and stories, and they pretty much uh, keep that true in this. and. You get uh, just a huge uh, talent pool of writers and artists. 
And one of the big reasons I was excited for this, now since Secret Empire had wrapped up uh, this past summer and fall, Nick Spencer has kind of went off the map. I uh, listened to him on a podcast. He had talked about um, he's got something good coming ahead that he's not allowed to talk about yet, but he's just taking some months off and just having a breather. <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> yeah, he didn't say if it was for Marvel or not. Well, this isn't what he was talking about, but he also promoted he makes a return as a writer for uh, a Secret Empire-related story. And they tell you the entire 11, 12-issue Secret Empire story in five pages. And very and it's everything that he was like mocked for in the internet and the news they got about you know making Captain America Hydra and all that stuff. So it's a short story, uh, basically uh, like a what's the Cliff Notes version? Yeah. This is a Cliff Notes version of Secret Empire done in a very hilarious way. So that is one of the short stories there that uh, very entertaining. And some of the other short stories you're dealing with, uh, you got some Spider-Man stuff. Uh, one thing I really liked was uh, the idea of Gwen and taking the name of Spider-Gwen and Gwenpool. So you see a short story of the people behind Marvel who are wearing tuxedos and top hats and counting money um, are talking about how they can continue to cash in on the idea of taking Gwen as a name and putting her into <laughs> different variations. So any criticism that they've gotten being like, oh, now they're doing Gwenpool, what's next? Well, they do all the ones that are next. <laughs> it so could they, be next. Yeah. So I'll leave those. <laughs> so I'll leave all those details for anyone who wants to pick it up. And there's a fun uh, Squirrel Girl story in there as well. But, uh, yeah, so you just get a, a mishmash of a bunch of different stories, and it's all uh, kind of focusing on to you. You have... The, the Forbush Man, which apparently was the star, star of the, yeah, the main. Yeah. And uh, so you get five, I think, five-part stories in here where he keeps coming back to his story. and uh, <laughs> So, yeah, it's, it's very fun. Marvel being very uh, upfront about you know making fun of their own things and poking some jabs at the distinguished competition, if you will. But, yeah, if you want a book to laugh at that's uh, involving a lot of Marvel characters... Uh, Nat Brand Eck, number 14. Yes, yeah, so is number 14 a good jump-on point? It is, because I have not read <laughs> 1 through 13. In Brand Eck, you could jump in anywhere, and it would be good, because they just parody the Marvel Universe in all of their... Uh... Yeah. And all of their versions of it. And so, so you can pick up any of them. And so storyline-wise, it's, <laughs> it's not following any sort of uh, narrative that way. But uh, and it always has been very clever. And um, so yeah. it's nice to see it back. I didn't get a chance to read this one, but I may have to get it back ordered. Yeah, it was, it was, it was my uh, pick of the week for sure. And uh, it did inspire me to want to track down the other 13 issues. And I've done some research on that. So that's one thing this book did is... Made me want to uh, read some more, and I I would definitely buy a monthly title of that if they did it. So, well, give it another you know sixteen years or so, and yeah. maybe, maybe we'll see uh, <laughs> issue number uh, fifteen. Fifteen. <laughs> It'll be worth the wait. Um, moving on to a journey to Star Wars: The Last Jedi, Captain Phasma trade paperback. That is all one title. Yes. Uh, Kirkstad read that. Yeah. I read it in the issues, and now you read it yeah, in the paperback in format. Um, and I missed it in the issues, but I thought, well, I'm going to go back and check this out. And Captain Phasma within the movie is kind of a fascinating character in the few scenes you get to see. 
Um, this is a much deeper look at the character, and you get some interesting aspects of who this Captain Phasma is. And I'm not going to yeah. give any anything away, but um, I think people will be surprised when they see what's at the heart of this particular character. And uh, I found it fascinating to read. There were some twists in it, which made it interesting to read, too. So I would certainly, if you missed it in the regular issues, go back, read the trade. It's... Uh, it's yeah. well worth the time. Yeah, and if I had any disappointment with Force Awakens, is I was very excited for Captain Phasma, the actress who uh, plays Brianna Tarth on yeah. Game of Thrones. So I was excited. Plus, she just has a cool look. Yeah. Like, just, you know, a stormtrooper with a silver, silver. and a cape. It's yeah. just like, those are all the right things to make a cool-looking and, and the, action figure. Too. And Yeah, and the, um, the artwork in it is really great, too. Really capturing... The personality that's um, portrayed in the story, and so it's. And as you went through the movie, you'd realize that you know she was probably underused, and you got a feeling based on what happened in the movie. Now you get the comic back up here, and it feels like uh, hopefully there'll be some more. She'll get a little more. You know, there's a lot to do in that episode seven there, so hopefully she'll have a little more ground to to play with there. So, but yeah, I enjoyed the four issues as well. So. Good, good. Uh, another book I liked was Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 297, Most Wanted, part one. Um, I'll still leave it as a tease because the previous issue, which wasn't 296, but it was issue six, <laughs> six. or seven, six. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so before the legacy renumbering, there was something big that happened in that issue. Yeah. Still urge you to check that out for any Spider-Man fan. And this continues to tell the story of... Spider-Man's quote-unquote maybe sister uh, who has uh, stolen something from uh, like an off-group of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, some very important data and people are after her and in the beginning of the series, not this issue but the series at number one, um, Peter Parker has kind of kept, kept her hidden and uh, now things are starting to heat up as they find out that Peter Parker is involved with the the missing uh, sister here, and that's what brings him into uh, the story. So it was uh, after last uh, the last month, last weeks, because that was that was not too long ago. Yeah, it, it, so it I think it was like regular monthly, ago, but I think but... they double shipped that one. Um, in the last story, it was very dialogue heavy. This one is complete action heavy. So, um, but yeah, so some good stuff happening there with that. Peter Parker, and while writer Chip Zdarsky, who is uh, very comedic normally, uh, who I was excited would bring some good, you know, he's perfect for writing a Spider-Man character, um, you really see his talents in writing in this one because there's not a lot of humor in this one, and, you know, these last two issues are a good example of taking a comedic writer and being like, oh, this ain't just, you know, up another funny book or something, you know, mm-hmm. it's actually brought some weight to the character and told some good stories there, so... So, yeah, I very much enjoyed uh, what they've been doing there. And then another one over at Image Comics, Curse Words number 10 just wrapped up its latest arc. Now, uh, I come in a very big fan of this. I've met the writer Charles Soule and artist Ryan Brown a couple times. Uh, Met him in person, and actually I have a fan letter printed in two issues within the first, like, eight issues of this series. Um... It's a series about Wizard, who is a wizard that is sent um, 
to Earth to basically destroy it and rule it. But once he uh, gets there, he realizes he actually likes Earth and a lot of fun things, and he likes the people. So he decides, you know, he's not going to do that, and he just, you know, creates a business for himself. And uh, but his uh, his his over ruler master doesn't really like that, so he starts sending. You know, people one after one that wizard just easily, you know, just kind of defeats and everything. So the whole series very comedic. Uh, the art is pretty gorgeous in this. Um, but yeah, it's a, just a story about wizard, and also he has a, a tale of trying to get his magic back. So when using magic, he's getting kind of drained with magic, and there are certain things on Earth that he's able to kind of track down to give him you know, a source for magic. Um, but yeah, this just wrapped up its uh, second arc there. They do have a, um, a holiday special coming out in December, so they'll have a like couple-month break until the next uh, arc begins there. But good independent series if you like wizard stuff. Um, a lot of comedy and just uh, a lot of ridiculousness because one of Wizard's uh, companions is um, a talking uh, platypus named Margaret. <laughs> and of course it is, yes. And you wouldn't think it, and I'll just leave this as a tease, but I think it was in the first uh, trade paperback or maybe the beginning of this eventual trade paperback when it comes out. But there was actually a pre pretty emotional um, uh, story behind this marker because at first it's just a very funny thing, mm -hmm. as we all saw here with the, with the <laughs> laughter that was not fake laughter inserted into the, into the podcast. We did some of that last week if you listened to last yeah, week's issue. No canned laughter. We only use the fresh stuff here. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, as curse words, it's a fun uh, independent uh, series from Image, and uh, it's one of those titles that's still pretty early on that you don't need you know, 50 to 75 years of history to understand it. You can jump in now, though. Now is the best time for it. So, fun book there. Uh, was there any other titles uh, around the table here? Jim, was there anything that you've read recently or just not even this week, but maybe in the past month that you've really been digging? Um, I have just started getting into some of the older Marvel stuff because I've never been reading much Marvel and um, just discovered that a lot of their older... Um, catalog has become available to Prime Amazon Prime members oh. for free. Mm -hmm. So over the last two weeks I've spent, you know, time reading I'm reading um Planet Hulk. Okay, yeah. Um I read Very uh, Topical uh, right now. Yeah. <laughs> Not only in the comics but in the movie movies, as well. Yeah. yeah. And uh um uh, Thor Unworthy. Uh, the okay. Un the Unworthy yeah. Thor. The miniseries yeah. post yeah. uh not being able to lift Mjolnir right. anymore. Yeah and um Miss Marvel are some of the ones that I've just started. Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel? Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's been one of my favorite ongoing series in the last Volume couple of years. Was, you know, just getting into some of those. Um, other than, because other than the movies and some way back 30 years ago, single books that I had read, you know, I didn't know much of the Marvel universes, so. You're kind of dipping into that and yeah. kind of, and that's what the beauty of something like that, too, is something that, you know, you just can't. You know, get all those back issues real cheap. So there are services like that that kind of help you catch up, and hopefully, you know, it would catch you up to a current series. Like if you're digging Miss Marvel, there you're able to catch up in a quick time and be like, all right, sign me up. Let's jump right in. So it's always a. Alternatively, yes, <laughs> you could find them or have them ordered at Crimson Call Comics and Collectibles. Shameless plug. Well, I was going to say that sounds like an ad. <laughs> And now, the news. 
in Marvel news, last week we talked about uh, you know Bendis, or was that the week before already? A couple weeks ago. That was last week. Was yeah, it? I think yeah. that was just last They're week. They're all blending yeah. together. <laughs> um, but we have uh, new news that there's another shakeup at Marvel being the editor-in-chief. So Axel Alonso, who's been uh, editor-in-chief maybe the past eight years or so, the greater part of the last decade. He's been with the company, I think, over like almost 20 years as well. But for the last eight or so, he's been the editor-in-chief. And uh, now he is uh, stepping down as C.B. Sobolski is taking over, who is a writer in his own right, and he's been an editor as well for Marvel, a uh, long-time career for him. And most recently, he's been uh, sent by Marvel over to, I, I think, over in Asia and kind of helping like just, just get the Marvel name out there and kind of building it in, you know, in other countries and stuff and just helping, helping the brand internationally. And that was pretty big news with Axel stepping down and now uh, C.B., now being shepherded in and uh, a lot of positive uh, positivity coming with uh, CB being involved you know he's a very personal guy I think he's uh, served as a talent scout as well if I'm not mistaken uh, not only is he a foodie because you'll see on his Instagram feeds that he's trying all these things that doesn't even look like food but you know he's a <laughs> um, so not only that but he's also uh, like a talent scout too so he's always out there and just kind of looking for that and now as editor-in-chief at uh, has a lot of people interested to see, you know, like how different Marvel could be um, for anyone that maybe hasn't liked some of the direction that they've done, you know, with just kind of, you know, throwing in a lot of new characters, taking over old uh, uh, old legacies and stuff like that. And I've really dug all those. I thought it was a nice, fresh take, whether it be, you know, Thor or Laura becoming X-23 to Wolverine and, you know, Kamala Khan taking over and old Miss Marvel stepping up to Captain Marvel and a uh, bunch of things like that. Even like Amadeus Cho taking over for Bruce Banner and, you know, fun, a lot of stories that are very, uh, uh, a good jumping on point for a lot of people too. So I found uh, myself reading a lot of titles, but it'll be interesting to see with uh, a different editor now, if they're going to, uh, how crazy of a direction they would take. And there's really no news other than that, which is uh, everyone can, speculate on that so but yeah so that's uh that's a big thing that doesn't happen too often i think they usually have pretty long runs for the most part if i'm not mistaken so it's not just like oh new year new editor-in-chief that's you know no but it is interesting because um the editor-in-chief can really affect a lot of what uh what they're they're doing and they have just kicked off legacy um so Will they continue with legacy as it is, or is he going to come in with some some new ideas and, um, you know, quickly change over to, to some some other thing? Now we've seen that even not even with different editor in uh, editors in chief, but um, you know sometimes they'll have one thing going on and then all of a sudden they switch and you know it seems like a, in a blink of an eye. Um, so this could be one of those things where. He will decide either he's going to continue on with the legacy and let everything run its course, you know, kind of as it has been, or he's going to come in and be that that changing management that wants to come in and and really uh, shake things up. Yeah, so, yeah, it's really left to be told at this moment, and who knows, like, you know, how 
when is this active? You know, does is there a certain term that we're going to see this, or is it going to be, you know, as we know with comics coming out, you know, they're planned for two months in advance for a release for us, the customer and the retailers to know. But you know, Marvel they will have their retreats and they'll know a lot of stuff, you know, a year, sometimes two years in advance with the direction they're taking. So it's curious to see how abrupt this was and uh, if that does affect anything and when it will happen. But but yeah, definitely some uh, news to talk about there. Um, and then also, uh, Infinity was a teaser that we got in one single image. Right, yeah, it was a very brief teaser. Uh, we know absolutely nothing about it, um, but clearly Marvel's uh, really working on getting some, some Infinity Stone things going. They already Why is that? have some of it going. <laughs> You're not saying it, that there's some big movie coming out, it, are you? It's it's Could almost be. like there is. It's, it's almost <laughs> like there's some movie that's going to come out, and they're just uh, priming the comics to reflect what's going on in in uh, in the movies. Not that they would ever do that, but uh, but yeah, that this image has uh, three uh, three Marvel comic characters, each holding a, an Infinity Stone. Um, I know one of them has possession of it. Do do the other two even have possession? Of this I thing? I don't no. believe so. No. Okay, and uh, um, I can't I can't say the the three characters are Wolverine, who the uh, Wolverine, yeah, the Wolverine. the the Wolverine, um, who uh, if you haven't read Legacy, go read it and you'll find out why that's a thing. Um, you have Star Lord holding one, and that might have something to do with the most current the yeah the current Guardians. infinity quest that's happening yeah. in the guardians issue that uh there was a pretty pretty big uh, uh splash page at the end of this current issue here that uh, you can see where they're starting to prime that so plus we already had in one of the guardians movies the guardians recover one of the infinity stones even though they're not in possession of it at this time so that would be <laughs> and uh and the last one is captain marvel and she has one as well and I can't remember, I had, I had seen which three stones they were, I can't remember, I, I think one of them is space, and I think one is reality, um, and I can't remember the third, but, um, but yeah, currently, uh, they've, they've got people either searching for these stones, or in possession of these stones, so, uh, this indicates that they're doing something with it, whether this is going to be an event book, or if it's going to be some sort of crossover, or, or what it's going to be. Something's happening. We'll probably find out uh, within about the next month or so when they start soliciting. Uh, I think it's illegal to use the event name within a Marvel comic now because they said they were done yeah, with events done with for a while. Events. This, so, is, this is more of a, a you know, a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. They're, no, doing, they're doing this thing. No, the thing is going to be in the Marvel 2 and one That's what <laughs> right. you're thinking. Yeah, that's that thing. This is the other thing. There's another thing. But yeah, um, but yeah, February it seemed. I saw the month. Uh, so when we get a new previews catalog, probably within the next week or two, maybe there'll be a little more information in there. I would hope so. But uh, yeah, we don't know much other than an image with those three characters and Infinity Stone related, and most likely it'll all you know tie out and and ha ha having to come out with uh, the movie coming up in May. So 
get a lot of people to buy some comics then. So. Oh, so there is a movie. I think so. I just did a Google search and uh, apparently some uh, uh, Revengers movie or something like that. So <laughs> I think that's what it's called. So, uh, so yeah, that is something that is uh, coming out there. And uh, we are uh, in the holiday season right now, uh, Christmas Parade. Christmas Parade. So, uh, you know, we're located in West Bend, Wisconsin. Uh, for anybody listening to this who's not from this area, um, and West Bend's doing their Christmas parade November 26th. And uh, you should be able to find the store represented in some way or another. We're still working out the details, uh, but we will be participating in that parade. If you see a Spider-Man in a Santa hat, it uh, may or may not be me. So, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've heard there may even be uh, like a real-life superhero of some sort in there. Ooh. So, Tease. Something to look forward to. Much like the Infinity Tease, that was a great tease yeah, right there. there so. um, and that bleeds perfectly into the 12 Days of Christmas post that's been happening on the Facebook page. Um, we've had uh, owners and uh, quote-unquote unofficial staff member um, <laughs> kind of suggest some things each day that uh, we've been posting an item from the store or maybe a recommendation of things that you can order just in time for Christmas. And uh, so follow... Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles on Facebook, and uh, you'll see a different suggestion each day. Now, we have two uh, people here at the table. Uh, is there any suggestions that you uh, would give the listeners of something that maybe you've seen in the store, something you really liked, or maybe something that you know from years past that you can say, hey, you can order this now? And uh... Well, right now in the store, um, they have a lot of Justice League stuff set out for you to clearly pick up and tie as a tie-in with the movie. Um, I found some pieces in there that I've read very, Justice League off and on throughout the years, but there were pieces in there that I found very, um, that I really was excited about. I bought a JSA book because it has Dr. Fate, and of course, Dr. Fate is one of my favorites, and I just picked up The Nail, which is an elsewhere version of the Justice League, mm. and um Excited to read that, too. So, there's a lot of Justice League stuff out there right now. Come to clip. Okay, good. Jim, is there anything that you'd recommend, as, even if it's something that you, you know, grew, grew up reading or anything? Well, off the top of my head, I'd just say there's a lot of games for people who are into board games that you won't find at your Target or Walmart. Mm-hmm. You know, they're more interesting, and I'm going to look at those for the Christmas season as well. So. And what a great time when you have uh, friends and family together and then you have a brand new board game there. So a great time to get some players if you're scrounging to find some people. Yeah. Um, you're game for Christmas and yeah. you force your family to play. I was just going to say, now you have forced uh, players to play along. Also for Christmas, there are some great bobbleheads. So you can look at them. In fact, I came in the other day, didn't realize you had to pre-order when they had um, Tom Servo. Yes, I myself had, I had pre-ordered one. Uh, both him, yeah, both we, had, we had two people pre-order them, and then I saw that we uh, we did put in a reorder for at least one more. One was uh, my, well, I wanted both Tom Servo and Crow. Yeah, so. yeah. and uh, and so we we did uh, we did order those. So I ordered Crow as well, but for some reason, you know, it doesn't make any sense that uh, they would ship them together. So. <laughs> no, much it, like it, Bill it, and Ted. It, yeah, yeah, that's kind of a complaint that uh, that we've had when we put in orders in the past. Uh, Pinky and the Brain. Yep, yep. Uh, we did Bill and Ted. 
I finally uh, did get both Big Key and the Brain, though, so. And, uh, yeah, but, but <laughs> how many months <laughs> apart? Yeah. You know? Yeah, that is smart. It gets Jim mentioned coming back to the store a second time. <laughs> That's actually pretty genius, so. Uh, although, uh, and now I gotta remember which one we, which one we actually got and which one we didn't when it comes to Bill and Ted, because we never got yeah. the other one. And that was one of the first, uh, that was one of the first pops feels like that we had gotten. Uh, when we I think you got, got Ted, but you didn't business. get Bill. And yeah, and, and we, we still have never got that. So, but yeah, many different things throughout the store. Whether it's new comics and old comics and back issues and trade paperbacks, along to the games as Jim has suggested, and the toys and collectibles that uh, Kurt's dad mentioned, um, and also a rack of T-shirts and hats and things like that. So, and a bunch of other unique things that are unique to custom handmade. Uh, Wands, for yes, those yes. Who are into uh, Harry, Potter. Harry Potter or other uh, other <laughs> wizard hand, magic type things? Some hand painted uh, geek signs that are very local to this area as well. So a bunch of different things, and uh, um, consider shopping at Crimson Call for your holiday needs. And also the big catalogs or the holiday gift guide out there, previous catalogs, and uh, if you need any suggestions too for someone who like, oh my so and so loves Superman, what do I get? You know, I'm sure we can uh, offer some uh, good recommendations there. So that is uh, your little holiday update there. And with some unfortunate news we'll touch on. Yeah, and, and, and uh, last time around I gave some more downer-type news and said that, you know, we don't typically do that. We try to keep things upbeat around here. But unfortunately, again, this week I do have some bad news. Uh, it's more about the, the local front. Um, yes, uh we, we, we recently uh, experienced a loss. Um, the, uh, the gentleman who is our landlord, owns the building that we operate out of, uh, just passed away the other day. Um, and uh, so I just uh, felt that it would you know, be, be nice to, to make mention of, of his passing. Because uh, Mike, Mike Smith, uh, Mailman Mike. Yes. Uh, 30 years of mail service, uh, war veteran as well. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he really helped us out a lot at the store. He, he worked with us in, uh, in a lot of ways to, to make sure that we could make it. You know, being a, a business that's just starting out, there's a lot of obstacles. And uh, uh, he did everything that, that he could really do, um, really went above and beyond what uh, most landlords might uh, might do for for tenants and people that you know he doesn't know and um, he genuinely wanted to see this business succeed you know succeed he could have rented the place out to anybody else um, but uh, he liked us and he wanted us to uh, to make it so um, so his uh, his loss is definitely felt here and uh, you know he'll he'll be Missed. He was really a one-of-a-kind guy. Yeah, his uh, encouragement of your business uh, was very much um, told through, uh, he was a customer at uh, Guido's Piggly Wiggly that I am a manager at in Kewaskum, and I've known him for the past 20 years or so since I've been working at the store and working with him as a customer, and every time this past year since uh, becoming your landlord, he had always mentioned, you know, always just gave, you know, positive uh you know, praise for you guys and just, you know, thought you guys deserved uh, to, you know, 
have a successful business and really liked helping you guys out and everything. And then uh, always would uh, make sure that I would know that he would buy some butter if it happened to be on sale. It's a thing that uh, over the last several years, he would uh, always hound me on that, saying, when butter on sale? I'm like, oh, it's coming up in so-and-so week. And uh, and I would see him in the parking lot and inside the building here. And outside of work, I could not get away from that butter question. Yeah, so he, he, actually, he actually once told me yes. that, uh, and I can't remember the price he wanted it down to, yeah. but he once told me that if I could get uh, Anthony to put butter at a certain price, he'd give me a month free rent. <laughs> so um, so I was thinking about it, and I posted something on Twitter and made a comment about the, the butter thing, and I, I was thinking about it after I was posting and thinking, for anybody who, who knows him and came across this, he had uh, some heart issues, and like, you know, would anybody think, well, that's an insensitive thing, because I mentioned the butter. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but please know that that was an ongoing joke uh, <laughs> between him and Anthony oh, that, yeah, uh, yeah. that he more recently involved me in. So. Yeah, and uh, just on Wednesday with uh, Thanksgiving season here, the butter went on sale with no limit. And honestly, the first thing I thought of when I set it up and getting the signs and tags all ready, I was thinking like, well, I'll be seeing Mike Smith soon. Unfortunately, we're hearing the news on Thursday night. Uh, but then coming into the holiday season, right around uh, after Thanksgiving, when we would know we would transition into Christmas, we would know mostly because when he would enter the store, he would start off with, and I'm going to back up a little bit so it's not too loud, he would start with, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> and I would be on the exact opposite of the store, and I would hear that like he was right next to me. And that was one of those things that as a lot of customers and employees in the store I always uh, appreciated when he came in and stuff like that. So very personal guy, very nice guy. And, uh, yeah, so it was unfortunate to uh, hear that news. Uh, young, he was in his, what, mid-60s, I believe? Yeah, he, I want to say like 60. 67, yeah. so. But, yeah, so that was uh, unfortunate news to hear. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, too young. He was, he was a good guy and, again, really, really helped us out, so. Right, I must head off to work. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for your contribution here, sir. Thanks. Kurt's dad is off. Yeah. Uh, we Thank have you. A... Please come again. <laughs> I will. <laughs> As a matter of fact. <laughs> we'll have uh, just a tiny bit here, and we'll be closing out the uh, issue slash episode uh, shortly. Uh, we always like to end the show by talking about next week releases, which if you follow us on Facebook, you'll be able to see a new Comic Day post that I... Uh, put together on Tuesday afternoons, evening, which kind of gives you the list of the things that are expected uh, in the delivery, if everything goes 100%, um, including a couple things that I'll spotlight. Well, uh, most of it is usually number one issues, good jumping on points, or maybe new story arcs and things like that. I'll kind of pick through the list, and uh, once in a while I'll put in kind of like a personal favorite, something uh, that I'll uh, kind of want to just shine a little light on, whether it be like an independent series or something like that. So here's just a quick uh, something that's uh, related to kind of club. Uh, Doomsday Clock number one comes out this coming Wednesday. Right, and um, now the podcast is, is pretty new, yes. but we've been kind of talking about Doomsday Clock as, as you know, information has, has come out about it. And... Um, I, I got to say, this is a pretty good example of the importance of pre-ordering. 
we really try to get our customers to pre-order as, as much as they can. Sometimes you don't know if you're going to want something until it comes out, and that's understandable, and that's why we try to have things on the rack. Um, but pre-ordering is important not only for us to know what to get, but to help ensure that you get what you want. Um, and we, we tried to order a pretty good number of, of things, you know, especially things that we expect to be popular and, and uh, for people to be after. And Doomsday Clock is one of those things where we ordered extras, um, not necessarily because people were pre-ordering them, but because we thought that they would sell. And we're rapidly approaching that point where we're not sure what we're going to have left on the rack because there's so many people that have come in, you know, uh, very recently and now have added it at the last minute um, that uh, I, I am pretty certain that we're going to be sold out of it quickly. Um, so again, that's, that's a really good example of why pre-ordering is important. I am certain that there's going to be customers that come in looking for it and then we're not going to have it. Because uh, while we tried to guess the amount to order, uh, a lot more people came in and said, hey, yeah, I want that, put that aside for me, even though they hadn't pre-ordered it uh, when it was available to pre-order. And uh, with a series like that, we're going to be talking about here on the podcast at the Crimson Cowl Comic Club uh, every Saturday when a new issue comes out. That'll be a 12-issue event, so if you are interested in the event and uh, you can pre-order the remaining copies as the previews come out, you can submit reorders for some of these if they're available through the supplier. And uh, those 12 issues of that main event will be uh, offered at a discount for club members as well. So uh, you can ask in the store or uh, send a message through Facebook if you want some more details on that. But each uh, month when a new previews catalog comes out, you have the opportunity, like you'll probably have issue three or four coming up in the next catalog, whatever it's going to be. So it's never too late to jump in and place some reorders when possible and uh, get on the ground floor and get your copy reserved. That way, if you don't come in until a week later or, you know, if you're not right there on, you know, New Comic Wednesday, uh, your copy is actually spoken for and held aside for you. So that is important, and you'll see the previews, catalog posts that I'll uh, structure throughout the month once a new catalog comes, and then we'll kind of spotlight some of it here on the podcast as well once we start with a new catalog. And, um, you know, speaking of pre-ordering, that, that also is a reminder for me to mention uh, pull lists. Uh, we do have that. You know, you can uh, subscribe to certain ones through us, certain books. Um, Jim actually just put in his, uh, his pull list. Uh, list with us today um, and uh, that's that's great to have because you know then you're getting all that stuff that you would read regularly uh, you can come in at any time and change that uh, because th of the nature of the comic book ordering everything's always two months out so you know please allow for that time to uh, to order or to drop things um, but we're uh, we're very reasonable when it comes to something like that if uh, if you do change your mind on something or whatever, we just really, you know, try to try to get things ordered or dropped ahead of time so that we can plan for that. And, um, you know, the we do have certain discounts if you meet certain levels of what you're ordering. You know, we have discounts. Uh, Jim, I actually have to look at yours uh, to see how close you are and to what discount. Um, so some of them are discontinued. <laughs> I don't know. So, but uh, but we'll uh, we'll we'll look that over. Um, so yeah, the. 
we reward you. The more that you uh, add to your pull list, uh, the better your your discount. And uh, yeah, I won't say the better we treat you because we we, we treat everybody great around. Yeah, here. yeah. They're very friendly and nice. So. <laughs> and uh, for some local people being fans of uh, Alterna Comics, uh, we have Lilith Dark number four that I wanted to spotlight, as well as one that I'm really excited for, Mister Crypt number two. That first issue was hilarious and. It felt like it was a comic that came out several decades ago in the in the tone of the comedic, uh, comedy and very family-friendly and stuff like that. So I've been uh, looking forward to, I think he's like on a beach or something with a Hawaiian shirt. And when you got a skeleton in a Hawaiian shirt, that's that's an instant sell for me. But So, so yeah, Lilith Dark and Mr. Crypt are uh, part of uh, next week's releases as well. Amongst many other things, which once again, follow on Facebook to get the the full highlights so you can kind of kind of see what's coming out build your own personal shopping list and uh visit the store on wednesdays on new comic book wednesdays and the best day for comic books fresh off the racks and fresh for your eyes so right yeah yes and they smell extra good that day exactly <laughs> um so yeah that will be uh concluding uh, i want to thank jim for stepping in here for the comic club this week thanks for having me and, and you're yeah. welcome back anytime so that was a great example. We had that with uh, Katie, a local customer here a couple weeks ago, just uh, shopping in the store and just asked to jump in, you know, mid-podcast mid and discussion. And it was as easy as that to kind of inspire. So if you're ever coming through the store, uh, feel free if you happen to see some people talking comics, jump right in and talk comics with us. And uh, if you're not... Um, into the whole podcast aspect of it, feel free. You can pull up a chair and feel free just to kind of listen along to the discussion as well. Um, you can subscribe to Crimson Cowl Comics Club on iTunes. Just search Crimson Cowl on iTunes and you'll see the subscription. You can rate and review and share that through the Facebook post as well as we uh, start this brand new podcast version of the Crimson Cowl Club. And, uh, Hopefully it'll inspire more people to uh, stop in, pick up some more comics, read the stories that you may not know already exist. So lots of comics out there for everybody. All right, great. All right, I think that will conclude it. So this whole time, I've been Anthony. I'm David. I'm Jim. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. The Crimson Cowl Comic Club is recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles at 1749 Barton Avenue in West Bend, Wisconsin. For more information, visit us online at www.crimsoncowl.com.